The music industry has experienced massive change in recent years, growing from physical sales to digital to streaming. Short-form video platforms like TikTok have begun to take over today's media consumption habits, changing the landscape of how music is made and advertised. Platforms like TikTok have allowed for upcoming artists to blow up in minutes and go from making music on their own to performing on some of the world's largest stages. Welcome to Adventures in Pratt. I'm Jim. I'm Gabby. And we are DePaul University students aspiring to careers in advertising and public relations, or as we call it, Pratt. Thank you for listening as we talk with industry leaders about the latest topics in creativity, media, brand activation, corporate reputation, and culture. Today we are talking to Haima Black, former producer at Q101 Radio and host of Chicago's longest-running music podcast, Dynasty Podcast, with over a thousand episodes featuring artists like Chance the Rapper, The Smashing Pumpkins, Fall Out Boy, and many more. Beginning his career at 15 years old, He has acquired a wealth of knowledge about the music and media industry throughout his many years of experience. We spoke to Haima about his career, the music industry, social media, and the ever-changing landscape of media consumption. All right, so you have been podcasting since 2005 when you launched Dynasty Podcasts, and your media work began at the age of 15 at Q101. Starting at Q101 at age 15 is such a cool exposure to the industry at a young age. What were some foundational lessons and skills that you learned in those early years? That is a good question. Um, You know, to paint the picture, this was like 1998 and like social media didn't exist. The internet existed to a degree, but like basically just email or maybe like a rudimentary website for a band, you know? So there was no like social web, Google, YouTube, um, any of that kind of stuff. And so me starting a media internship in like 1998 I had no sense of like, you know, what we would now call like building a brand or like, you know, developing your online portfolio or any of that kind of stuff. I really knew as much as like a pre-internet kid in the 90s would know. Um, But I knew I wanted to work in the radio business because back then in the 90s, radio was very cool. It was kind of the last era where radio was like actually interesting and cool in the way that like, you know, a YouTube personality or a TikTok personality or a Twitch streamer or something like that. You know, like, there were personalities on the radio. Yeah. And the personalities I would listen to, they would, like, interview, like, Slayer and Metallica and Pantera and, like, party and drink on the air. And, like, it sounded cool, um, which is not anything you hear on radio now, you know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, at 15, I basically, like, hounded this one radio DJ. He was the late-night guy on the rock station. Um until he basically gave me an internship, which does not happen to 15-year-old kids. Like, I really, really lucked out. He brought me in on his weekend show when there was no one else there. So I really just kind of, like, snuck in through the back door and then just did not leave and then ended up getting, you know, as I got older, I got actual work. Um, but I, I really just kind of, like, yeah, snuck in and then just did not ever end that internship. That's so cool. So then from there, it shifted to you producing with them? Yes. Yeah. So basically, the very short version is in um, summer of 98, when I was 15 years old, I just finished my freshman year of high school. And I went to intern with a radio DJ named Chris Payne. He's not a DJ anymore. Now he's a full-time attorney. And um, that was at a station called Rock 103.5, which was the 
rock station that was around at the time and they played like heavy hard rock like Metallica and Slayer and just it was a very cool fun station but they went off the air in fall of 1998 because that's what happens with these media companies is they get you know bought out or change formats or what have you so that became a maybe like a Latin station or something I don't remember what it you know it flipped formats so a lot of the DJs who worked at Rock 103.5 went to Q101 and I followed along with Chris Payne the DJ I was working with when he went to Q101 and from there because there was a lot of uh, talent and some management from Rock 103.5 people still knew me um, and I don't remember exactly when but within like a year or two you know like by the time I was like kind of finishing up high school entering college I switched from being like an intern to a producer I was not making very much money but it still <laughs> was like an official radio job like I was hired so yeah. it was still very like cool that's so cool yeah, yeah. that's awesome you have such a cool like origin story to your career and like you talked about you've been working in the industry for a long time so um, you've witnessed some major growth throughout that time I'm assuming so what would you say has been the most surprising to you in terms of the changes and growth in both the worlds of music and podcasting yeah I mean that's a big question I mean that could be like a whole 12-part podcast right. miniseries yeah. right um, the I mean, a couple of the big shifts, of course, is that everything went online. You know, that was happening, like, when I got my internship, when I started in radio, like, there was, like, Napster. I don't even know if you guys know what Napster is. Do you yeah, know? I've heard I'm of okay. that before. Of yeah. Yeah. All right, okay, because it's really ancient history at this point. But, like, Napster was the beginning of, like, what we would call, like, the digital revolution at this point. And then, like, MySpace happened a few years later, and then mm -hmm. Facebook and Twitter. And then, of course, now we're here. But, you know, the big changes that I've seen is that, A, you know, every – every band, every brand, every entertainer, every personality, every media talent, like everyone of course now needs to be a brand as I'm sure you're both aware. Um, maybe maybe you guys have TikToks or, you know, live streams or YouTube or who knows, like, but we're all aware that like, if you wanna kind of stand out, you have to like have this big person, like persona and personality on your social media channels. And um, so seeing that become important in real time was pretty interesting uh i was the i put our q101 radio station i was the first one to put a radio show at our station on social media like at the time that wow. didn't seem important and i was yeah. like we should have a myspace page for our radio show like i was the producer of the local music show so that was the you know chicago show that was on sunday nights and we'd play an hour of chicago bands um and us having a myspace page and then later a twitter really was pretty new and early and that like got us in front of people and really helped us engage with talent um but seeing bands have to do that you know like bands needed to have a myspace and myspace certainly like i don't know if you guys remember myspace who were old enough to ever be on myspace but like when it was around that was the first time ever really that like musicians like not you know a metallica or like usher or taylor swift level musician but like a new um, like if, if you two in 2002 decided that you were a dj duo you could put your mixes up on myspace and people could find them and that had never been possible before where like yeah. people who were not metallica could just find an audience and start playing shows and build a fan base and interact with their fan base so that was a big thing and then now of course like you know you have to like be sort of a full-time content creator 
And if you're an artist and you don't want to devote all your time, like I see a lot of artists who are like, I do not want to make TikToks. Like I think Halsey <laughs> was on that tip like a year ago or so. Yeah. And I get it. I, I sympathize. But um, if you don't want to make the TikToks, like you sort of have to have someone on your team who's going to like make TikTok or Reels or whatever that content is. And five years from now, we're going to be like, oh, my God, remember TikTok. It's going to be something completely different that everyone else will still be complaining like, oh, my God, now I have to make these whatever <laughs> yeah um, so that's that's i think that's like the biggest broadest change i saw which is that everybody kind of had to suddenly become a full-time 24 7 personality that was in some respect you know accessible to their people yeah. yeah kind of going off of that too like i feel like music has gone from digital or sorry physical to digital to streaming all within like a really short time period yeah. and as you were mentioning like tiktok has already had a lasting impact on like our, I guess not lasting yet. I'm like maybe I'll rephrase No, but it's that. significant. <laughs> yeah. Like already having such an impact. Like do you see that like short form video effect on music industry lasting? Or like when you were saying like in five years from now we'll look back on it, like what what do you imagine the landscape to be like? Obviously it's hard to tell, but Yeah, I wish I knew that question because then I would be very rich. I'd True. Like, the next thing is, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um you know, basically what kind of happens is that every generation reinvents it, though, because you guys are younger than myself. And like, you don't want to be on Facebook. Facebook is for old people. You know what I mean? And like, and I get that. Like, I don't even like being on Facebook. I think Facebook is a terrible user experience. But like young people before social media did not want to go hang out where old people hung out. So that's going to be the same thing. Like in 10 or 15 years, if TikTok doesn't get banned this year, you know, if TikTok lasts, the generation that's like five years old right now, they're not going to want to be on TikTok. So they're going to be like, that's where like my older brother is or that's where my parents are. It's yeah. so lame. They're still doing dances and like, <laughs> you know, doing viral memes and they're 39. I don't know what that'll look like next. Um, but the other thing, and not to like kind of go on a big tangent here, is that something I've been thinking about a lot on my own podcasting journey and everything like that, I see, I feel like, the big three, I'm going to call them like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, are kind of in disrepair in varying states. Um, I feel like they're kind of falling apart in real time. We'll see if TikTok does or doesn't get banned. So like, I think it's going to be very interesting over the next five years to see what, what we now call social media, which in five years might not even be the term for what we call going online and engaging with one another. But like, what that's going to look like in sort of a post-Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram landscape i don't know what that's going to be but i do feel like everyone's going to continue to need to be like content creators of some kind otherwise you sort of get left behind and ignored yeah yeah it's changing so fast and it's kind of scary because i feel like it's become such a big part of our lives and careers that like since we don't know what's going to happen it's a little bit unnerving but um i wanted to ask you something i like to ask people this on the topic of like TikTok and viral content, what's your opinion on like the TikTokification, I guess I would call it, of music? Like, um, I feel like there are certain artists emerging who are sort of making music specifically to go viral, or like sort of most of it I feel is like pop music, but very like 
a certain it has a certain sound to it and it there'll be like a hook that is just meant for that 15 second video do you feel like that's lowering the quality of music coming out um or what's your opinion on that subject i guess because i've heard mixed mixed opinions i know exactly what you're talking about like i feel like that uh, megan trainer song that came out that mother song <laughs> which like yeah. no i mean sorry to anyone who loves megan trainer i just think she is the worst artist on the planet right now because um, she's making very dumb music like intentionally dumb music and when I heard that mother song and I saw the clip that they were showing all over social media I was like this is a song that really the other three minutes is meant to just be thrown away it's only she's really trying or her team or whatever is really trying to just make this 10 second clip happen on TikTok so it carries I don't know if that song did or didn't do that I feel like it maybe kind of flopped um but it feels like that was just specifically designed only for the purpose of like carrying on TikTok. So yeah, that's happening. But also like music has always been really, like there's always been such bad music. Like before <laughs> yeah. TikTok, there was music that was absolutely awful. There'll be music that is absolutely terrible after TikTok. And I don't want to be like the old guy in the room who's like, this music today isn't as good as Nirvana and Sonic Youth. Cause it's like, this is insanely good music right now. You know what I mean? Like, I think Lana Del Rey is better than Sonic Youth ever was. Um, <laughs> so I think there will always be, like, quality artists like Lana Del Rey or somebody like that or Phoebe Bridgers, right, like, who is making something quality. Or, like, I just saw this band Model Actress the other day at the Empty Bottle. And, like, if, I mean, they just fucking killed it. Like, they were just <laughs> incredible. They had insane energy. And so, like, that is a band that was not trying to be, like, TikTok friendly. Yeah. I do think what's going to happen, because I've seen this certainly a number of times over the years, the artists who are trying to like desperately chase a trend, they don't have longevity because they're not thinking about building like a long-term career. They're thinking about like, how do I get in front of a million people on TikTok today and then be forgotten about in two weeks? And I feel like someone like Phoebe Bridgers is going to have like a Taylor Swift type career. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like she's got like 10, 15, 20 years ahead of her, probably as long as she wants to be making music, you know? So there will always be kind of both sides of that, I think. Yeah, kind of going along with that, I guess you, you talked about like how certain artists, I guess, blow up for certain reasons or how certain artists have more longevity while others are sort of just have their viral moment and then they're done. What is What are some of the common things that you've witnessed like throughout your career and just observations of the music industry? What are some of the things that you've observed in those artists who really become successful in their careers and in terms of I guess like their personas or their promotion or just how they go about blowing up do you think it's about only the quality of the music or would you say it's like there's some other factor going on there I mean I think the quality of the music is like first and foremost the the deciding thing like I mean again to use like a I, I to use like Phoebe Bridgers and, and um and what's her name um, who was I just talking? Megan Trainer. You know, and I, I hate to sound like I'm like punching down at Megan Trainer, but also she makes really bad music. But like, you can if it, if I played if you'd never heard either one of them, and I played you 30 seconds of Phoebe Bridgers and 30 seconds of Megan Trainer, with 30 seconds of knowledge and no other information about either of them, you'd be able to pick out like who is making music to have a long career, and who is trying to make music that you hear at Target. You know For what sure. I mean? Yeah. And yeah. It's very clear. Like Megan Trainer is like you know, dentist waiting room music. So <laughs> um, I, I do think it starts with the music. That's like the thing that is like first and foremost. And I, th I feel like the more quality artists, the ones who are not chasing that TikTok stuff, 
like someone like Halsey, who I think makes like super great music, and like Charlie XCX, they seem like resentful that they have to make TikToks and things like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I've noticed that. I think that they would rather just be making really exciting, cool, unique, dangerous music than like spending all their time using like CapCut or whatever to fucking throw <laughs> filters on their mm-hmm. videos, yeah. you know? So yeah, I think that that's kind of the biggest thing is like, and, and again, that's been the case forever. There was so much disposal music every generation, certainly in the 80s, certainly in the 90s. Oh my God, like you guys, I was in high school during like new metal. I don't know if that like means anything to you, but like <laughs> Limp Biscuit and that whole era. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of the room, there was Deftones. And even back then we were like, okay, Deftones and Tool are gonna like, like if this was high school, you were like, all right, everyone at that table, they're gonna be burnouts who like don't leave this town. And Deftones and Tool, they're gonna go to a good school and they're gonna have long careers. <laughs> so that's always been the case. Like, and yeah. you can tell in the moment like who's doing something meaningful and who isn't. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I feel like there are so many talented artists out there and lots of whom sort of go undiscovered, I guess, or never really grow into something. What would you say in terms of PR and advertising is the thing that really takes a talented quality artist to that next level of success and being um, viewed by many people and getting their stuff heard. Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky thing. And I think this applies not just to musicians, but just like creators or entrepreneurs or talent is like, you have to be, even though like you want to be like, okay, well, I just want to focus on the music. I just want to focus on the songwriting and making something timeless and quality. If you don't do any promotion in the world, like if Pink Floyd or Beyonce came out today and they were like, I'm not gonna have TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or you know, send my songs to Spotify, like no one would know who they were, you know? And that's the unfortunate thing is like, you kind of do have to do it to a degree, play the game of having your stuff out there. Do you have artists that you think do this the best right now? Like either, I know like you mentioned somebody like Pink Floyd or Beyonce, like they probably don't really do too much like upfront advertising, but maybe like other growing artists that you see um, publicizing themselves, like advertising themselves and doing it authentically. Like, yeah, I mean, I think like Phoebe and Charlie right off. The, I'm like, I'm so big on like girl pop. Um, <laughs> no, I think, me, like, too. me too. Phoebe, we have the same taste. Okay, so there we go. I think <laughs> like Phoebe and Halsey and Charlie are all like front of that list. Lana Del Rey, like I don't think of Lana Del Rey as like a viral TikTok creator, you know, but she does like quality music videos, like every, like a couple, every album or whatever like yeah. that. Certainly like early on, she had those like super iconic visuals, you know what I mean? Like yeah. national anthem and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think artists like that kind of live in the best of both worlds. Um, and certainly like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, if you're on TikTok, you're not a quality artist or if you're on YouTube, like that's not the case. Like you can make something really cool and unique and meaningful no matter the platform. But it's about making something that's like smarter and is meant to endure beyond like one viral trend for like this month. You know what I mean? And I think that's true of like, again, multiple mediums. Like I think if you were a filmmaker, you could make a cool like 90 second film on TikTok or a three minute short on YouTube. That's like total. Like I saw um, this movie Skinnamarink. Did you guys hear of Skinnamarink? Okay. Mm-hmm. Skinnamarink came out like earlier this year underground horror film, I love horror, <laughs> and it was made for $15,000. Wow. And it was just filmed at this guy's, you know, this filmmaker, he just went to his parents' childhood home. He went to his childhood home that mm-hmm. his parents still own, and over however many days, only using the home as the location, shot a super awesome, like very, like, 
exciting, interesting, unique horror film. And he did that for such a short amount of money, but he was before he had that like feature film in theaters and like, you know, art theaters and stuff like that. He was putting out like three or four minute horror shorts on YouTube. So like, yeah, I just don't want to give the impression that I'm like saying, oh my God, if you're on TikTok, you're a sellout or like, I mean, selling out doesn't matter, but you know what I mean? Like it disqualifies you because that's not the case. You can make super meaningful art or content as we call everything now um, on any of these platforms. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I feel like yeah. you can like adapt yourself to the content, but like make it still like authentic. Cause I, yeah. I feel like it's so easy to read when something is being made authentically. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is like not feeling like you're too, you're too good or too big for the medium. You know what I mean? Like if Taylor Swift was like, well, I'm not going to do Instagram reels. I'm not going to do Instagram and I'm not going to do TikTok. I'm too big. Well, Taylor Swift might be too big for that, but like she'd be losing a big chunk of the next generation of her audience that she could build, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, and she had that like super interesting lead up on, um, you know, up to the Midnight's album where she was doing like the song reveals every yeah. night or every week or whatever it was. Yeah. So. She's definitely a great example of like PR and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of times I look to her to see like in terms of music artists, how she has really like kept her fans engaged and on their toes throughout her very long career. I mean, she's yeah. still young, but you know. No, but she's, she's had like a long, yeah. she's had a lot of yeah. albums and like, and she converts people. Like I'm someone who used yeah. to go see like Black Sabbath and Slayer in high school. <laughs> and like, there's not a lot of people who are like, man, I sure love Slipknot and Taylor Swift. But like she, and, but I, that's me. And she's yeah. like, you know, she converts people because her music's just that good. Like during the pandemic, I just listened to a lot of folklore and Evermore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are like brilliant records. Maybe just like a little fun question to close sure. it out or or two. Um, so I would say what is what has been your favorite interviewing experience or experience you've had um, unique to working in the industry, like meeting an artist, talking to an artist, something like that? Yeah, I mean, that there's two that come to mind. One is um, interviewing. Have either of you been to the Metro, the concert hall up north? Yeah. 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 Okay, Metro. so Metro, tremendous, amazing venue. I interned at that venue when I was in high school. I did a lot of internships in high school. I was a very, like, awesome. lame, ambitious kid, you know. On top of it, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the Metro has this incredible history. Like, you know, Madonna and U2 and Prince and Nirvana and everyone has played there. So I got to interview the owner of the Metro for the 30th anniversary of the venue about 10 years ago. And I got to ask him questions like, what was Kurt Cobain of Nirvana like? Mm-hmm. Which is not a question that like I can ask many people. Yeah. Um, and he just you know, was able to tell me what Kurt Cobain was like. like. So that was a cool one just because the Metro was such a historic venue that had, like, like everyone has played there. So getting to like get 20, 30 minutes with the owner and just like really like be able to access his like rock kind of historic archive memory of what has happened in that building was like very cool the other one that like stands out is i did a radio internship or a radio interview that i produced a few years back well more than a few years back when q101 is still around um myself and chris payne the dj that i worked with we interviewed the smashing pumpkins on the air and i got to ask some questions and like produce the and like come up with questions and stuff like that mm-hmm. And that was pre-recorded, so I drove the night that it was going to air. I drove to Clark and Belmont. Have you guys been to Clark and Belmont? Yeah, actually, yeah. I, like just the intersection. The intersection. Oh, yeah, it used to like, be like yeah. a very alternative neighborhood. Okay. Now it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. 
you should look up the history of Clark and Belmont, like the, you know, where there's the giant target there? Yeah. That just used talking about the target. <laughs> okay. So that used to be like a Dunkin' Donuts, like a very historic Dunkin' Donuts for oh, decades wow. really? where all the punks and like, like non-white supremacist skinheads, like the punk skinhead, like basically it was like a punk haven, that okay. neighborhood. So that was where I grew up in the 90s, like going to all the cool record stores or like UCD stores and clothing stores and stuff like that. Um, So I drove to Clark and Belmont and listened to myself interview the Smashing Pumpkins on the radio station I grew up on. And the Smashing Pumpkins is like my favorite band. So that was a very cool cool. moment to be like, oh, my God, like this is like a almost famous kind of moment. Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. So so, you know, doing doing this kind of work has really given me some like kind of very once in a lifetime type of moments. Yeah. For sure. Cool, cool. cool. What are you listening to right now, or what's something, what are you excited about right now, I would say? Yeah, um, you know, it's a big one, it's obvious, but I'm very excited to see Taylor Swift for the first time in two and a half weeks or something like that. Oh my gosh. I got floor tickets that I've never seen her before. That's crazy, that's crazy. So that's like a big one. I've got Fall Out Boy tickets for two weeks after that, and they're another hometown band that I just absolutely love. Um, And then in terms of like underground music, I don't even know like what am i listening to I, you know i try to like listen to a lot of new things on spotify soft cult have you guys heard soft cult mm-hmm. one word s-o-f-t-c-u-l-t if you like lana and, and taylor and phoebe and all that you should listen to soft cult they're cool. new i don't know where they're from i literally just found them the other day and like i cannot stop listening to them awesome. their record Dang. is really good it's it would fit right in between all those artists we've talked about so cool, i feel like cool. the two of you would probably like them yeah check i'll out. check them yeah. out literally in my walk home I'm, all right i'm gonna yeah. look them up <laughs> <laughs> just to end it out do you sure. want to plug some stuff you're working on right now i know you were at our dmvo meeting and I, you were talking about like some of the stuff you're doing upcoming next with your podcast you want to talk about that a little bit yeah um and shout out dmbo and DePaul, who's been super awesome and i love the the whole DMBO organization. Uh, I got to do a podcast interview with Emily and, and sit in on the meeting the other day and like, what a cool org you guys have. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's very, I'm jealous that it was not like that when I was in college. <laughs> um, so really quick plug for what I'm doing. I am, I've been podcasting a long time. I'm producing a new podcast series that I'm hosting and, and currently recording and preparing. It's called a hotel podcast. It's exactly what it sounds like. I go to hotels I interview the management or like, you know, creative people involved with the hotel, like really cool boutique, innovative properties, and then shoot some vertical and horizontal video for TikTok and YouTube. And so that's launching end of May, early June, like very soon. You can follow a hotel podcast on all socials. Um, It's going to be not just audio, but a lot of visual content, because like I've been saying this whole time, if you kind of think like, oh, I'm too good for TikTok, I'm a podcaster, like you just get very left behind yeah. so so this new project is not going to be just audio based it's going to be very visual and ideally i hope it goes a long time and it can be like a cool travel content series where i can showcase like just cool boutique hotels and motels across the country that's yeah. so cool yeah that's i can so definitely cool. see that doing really well on mm-hmm. like social media <laughs> yeah is, yeah For so sure. so that's my next big big project awesome awesome yeah. Well, thank you so much for yeah, being here. You. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, thank you both for letting me come and, and talk about social media and Lana Del Rey, basically. So, <laughs> appreciate it. We, love to, we love to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thank you. That was really interesting to hear Hyma's perspective. Yeah, I think it will be so interesting to see how social media will continue to evolve and what that means for upcoming artists. Me too.
Thank you so much to Haima for talking to us today. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of Adventures in Pratt. 